0: Everyone, and welcome to the inaugural edition, let's call it, of uh, or episode of uh, Chasing Psychological Safety, which is the first time that we put uh, a, an inward conversation and a conversation with one of my personal heroes at that um, on the air. So, this is the first podcast, but some of you listening to this would have heard or would have listened. Um, Or even would have read something called Chasing Psychological Safety um, on LinkedIn or on my many other channels over the years. Um, In this particular newsletter, the uh, intention was, as you may remember, to talk about the topic of psychological safety, which I found to be sorely underrepresented when I um, got my head out of fintech, shall we say. So um, going back a few years and I'm going to try and keep um, Of course, how impression-managey of me. I had the call, and I jumped to turn it off. God forbid it gets on camera. And then um, all of our listeners are going to be appalled by the poor quality of uh, our studio where a call entered uh, (laughs) our extreme sorry, you guys. I forgot that we're talking to our team and to people who who get it i had the call it was horrible. um nothing i need to take right now or we could have paused this back to the topic and i'll mark it so that maybe we cut it maybe we don't um we are here to chat about psychological safety the reason we're here is because as i said um i am presenting to you today one of my uh when it comes to this topic. There are a couple of people I hold dear um, that understand the importance of psychological safety. And Gitek, I never know if I say it right or not. I'm sure she's going to uh, to correct me if she has to, but she's heard words, um, is one of them. She has been an absolute shining star of someone who has arrived at these concepts before she necessarily even knew the names for them. I have watched her... Um, grow over the years even further if it was even possible in her own journey and remain incredibly um, authentic and courageous, which is so rare to see in people and, and such an immense life quality that I try and and, and, and teach my boys to remember. Um, so here we have her today. I will try to shut up more, ask the right <laughs> questions, and let me tell you more. How did you ever hear about the concept of psychological safety get and what would you want to tell people with your first exposure to it
1: so i think so i like you said i think i've been doing this for a very very long time longer than even the concept now not longer than the concept existed but like at least in a public mind um so in 2017 i was working in spotify with a tribe where the two tribe leads actually had a lot of faith in me and the other agile coach. So I was there filling in for a coach that went on parental leave. And the other coach had looked a little bit into psychological safety uh, at a coach camp. So we decided to, to put that up as one of the topics that could be interesting to look at for the tribe. So what we wanted to do, we wanted to improve, and we wanted to improve in the areas of tech of product, of delivery, and of people. And we were actually on an off-site, and then people could, we talked about what are the different things. We had a a small workshop where people walked around, talked about them, and then they could vote. What is the most important thing for us to focus on? And except for, I think, like two votes, everyone in, in the people sector voted on, we want to have a place that's psychologically safe. So that's kind of how I got into it. And I started reading about it. And I started going like, oh, oh, this is what I do. (laughs) And I had no name for it. And I had no I had nothing for it. I just knew that somehow I made people feel like they could talk or they could make mistakes or they could be honest. But I didn't know what I was doing. So we kind of started on that. And what we started uh, doing was we uh, took the seven questions that Amy Edmondson has designed uh, a while ago. And we looked into, let's let's make um let's start here. Let's figure out how are people actually doing. So we made an anonymous, as anonymous as it can be, mm. a survey uh, where only I and the other coach had access to. So not even the tribe leads had access to the results. Mm-hmm. And we sent that out and we're kind of like, yeah, we are fairly safe um, tribe. Everything will be fine. And we sort of were, but there were things like, 13% felt that someone in their team would deliberately undermine them. Mm-hmm. That's like one in seven. And that really shocked they deliberately us. Deliberately undermine them, not even kind of to save no, their bacon. Would exactly, do it. it. Would deliberately undermine me. Yeah. Um, and so the way we chose to approach it was we actually made it one of the OKRs because we wanted to make sure that it had the same focus as improving the other things. Uh, there was a very clear decision from the two tribe leads. And I think. They are the ones I've met that are, remember, have been the most aligned when it comes to product and tech. But also, what, like...
0: Actually said, what was the actual OKR saying? We will make uh, sure...
1: Or... No, so actually we will... in. Um, we had that we will introduce psychological safety in the tribe. And some of the measurements were that we have a common language, that we know what it is. And I forgot the last one. So that we could kind of measure that. Uh, so yeah. what we did was yeah. we had a workshop with each team where we talked about. So we actually used Amy Edmondson's TED Talk about teams uh, to start with, and then we had discussions about what does it mean to us. So right. I think one of the problems with psychological safety is that it sounds really nice, but a lot of people don't don't grok it. They don't understand what it is. Right. So the first thing that we that we did, and that we actually still use in workshops today, was helping people figure out what does it mean for me? What does it mean in my daily life? Right. So that's how like, kind of how we started, figuring out what does it mean? What do I do to make people feel safe? But also, interesting enough, what do I do that might make other people feel unsafe? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we started. And then like later we moved on to making sure that each team had an action point. So we kind of built on it every year to to make sure we went into the things that mattered for these people. It's always
0: so incredibly fascinating to me to hear this story. I knew it, but every time I hear it, um, it it, it has a different vantage point because you and I have had maybe parallel journeys with this. Mm -hmm. And your your experience has been what I would call building this the harder way because you've had to build it um, what I call pen and paper and with bare hands and with with very little in the way of either political permission or uh or or will or more money or, or time so to have done that um, kind of through the sheer fact that you've had good teams that were smart yeah. enough to understand the human work is amazing but i find i found in the last few years that despite the fact that our journeys mirror we too started with you know kind of amy's uh, and a cross between Spotify and Amy in terms yeah. of questions. We then evolve from there, obviously build the algorithm. We are measuring other things today. And obviously the most important bit, like you said, is not what you measure, it's what you do with it. It's yeah. the conversation space, Is the action of doing the human work and it's, of course, the um, ability to kind of do something about it and to want to do something about it. And you yeah. never want to do something about it until you measure it. So you guys practically... Um, mirrored exactly what we built in software but for the same reasons we found it needed and I, yeah. I i would bet there must be a thousand different stories out there one is project unicorn one is what people not did, one is your experience one is amy's academic experience towards it one it could be the uh, initial experience at google which i'm sure was incredible in terms of psychological safety which let's face it has eventually horribly disaggregated in that SRE team. I would love for someone to sit down with a pint of, of, uh, of uh, non-alcoholic beer to tell me what the hell has happened uh, in, in that SRE team with psychological safety. Do you know any any uh, juice, juicy uh, topics on what, what may have happened within Google when they lost psychological safety? No, I don't, bit?
1: but I think, I think it's a little bit like the Spotify model, which is not really a model. It's It's like a snapshot. Of a point in time. And I do think that when you look at what Google did, I think the area where they made their research, where they went in and see what are are our best teams, I think that the best teams did have psychological safety. And I think maybe their best teams today do have psychological safety. The problem is that it's such a huge organization. It's it's spread out over many countries. It has a lot of different cultures. And psychological safety is something that you need to really work on. And like when I was working at the tribe in Spotify, one of the one of the managers said to the tribe leads, "I think this is the least dysfunctional tribe in Spotify," uh, which I thought was really interesting. And it's like, and this was the one one in seven people still potentially thinking about it. Yeah, this was the one I was working in, and and it's the it was the first place where I saw leaders like tech leaders and product leaders who actually understood we need to work with people as well. We
0: need to do the and, human work.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, um, I think a lot of people don't understand that it's the thing. Like I was doing, I was going to like, was it last week, more, two weeks ago, I was in Eindhoven uh, doing a talk for Women in Agile Europe. I was doing the opening keynote. And the thing yeah, was
0: about... I can't listen to this, so it you, Gita, but if anyone is listening to this and it has any talks uh, that they need to have an amazing speaker for, that have anything to do with people, productivity, imposter syndrome, psychological safety, women, agility, and most of all, how to get shit done in big organizations, then you need to get Gita to to come over and speak for you. Thank you. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the the theme this year was Crossing the Chasm, and a lot of people there would speak about, you know, how do we get more women in IT? Uh, I chose to take it from the perspective of, What is missing right now? And if you look out in the world and if you look at like the last four years, so much happened. I mean, if you look back to 2019 and you said to them, we're all going to be working online and remote. And people go like, no, no, that's never going to work. And I mean, I know more about vaccines than I ever wanted to know. And so we had both. we uh, We have the crisis. We have all of a sudden we have actually war in Europe. There's so many things happening, which means that we and need then to get the re- other more, more horrible one down there. It's just get yeah. just get
0: out of hand. There's we have no idea that we're going to be around from the no. point of view of climate. Uh, the mental health in general of humanity yeah. is more on the decline than it has yeah. ever been. We are and in the dumps,
1: people. <laughs> we are, and what we need to 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 get to make things to get out of it and to also succeed as a company, I think is you need to have innovation. You need to be able to be very flexible. And the thing is, we what I see the companies focusing on is making money, putting in tech, making a new feature, things like that. And while we need the tech and the, and we need to make money, otherwise our company is not going to be able to pay our, our employees. It's not enough. We need the other side of it. We need the, the what are, some people call soft side. I call it people skill. We right. need to have leaders and right. managers who actually lead, who do not manage people, because if you want to be proper, flexible, if you want to have proper innovation, you need the brains of everyone. And the only way you can get the brains of everyone is by having them feel safe enough to come up with their ideas, having them get feel safe enough to go in and say, OK, I'm going to try this out. I think it will work. But then it, it has to be OK when it doesn't. And if we don't get there, we are not going to get companies that have that innovation and that flexibility. I mean,
0: the fact that we we even have to explain these things at this low level, 10 years into saying the same things about psychological safety and six years after the study, does my head in. If someone like Google tells you, look. I might not be perfect, but the way I make some money is by having these teams that have this thing that's like a magic, like a family, like a shit. They like each other. I don't bloody know what it is. They have it in one room. I don't know. Maybe you should keep them together more. Maybe give them more ping pong. Maybe have structure, clarity. Maybe have impact. Maybe have purpose. Maybe make sure that these people are dependable. Have these things and you'll be golden and we are eight billion years later and not even google themselves are keeping themselves to these five things and then another five for leadership there are ten things in my view that can make anyone's culture google level or better and they are those five and then the other five they found in the aristotle and oxygen project and i can be anyone's cultural officer and make them do those ten things for a year you can too anyone with enough product ownership hard understanding of the problem of developers and technical people have no skills and no ability and no interest and too much laziness and a bit of whatever, pissiness, and they're too tired to do the human work, so they need a bit more help. Let's give them more software. Let's give them an easier way of making this into a habit. I will be there as a Sherpa for a year for yeah. all these teams to become the right team. And then I'll go. And if that's not changing your, your culture, nothing will.
1: And I think the problem is that it takes work. So if you go out and look at much of the Agile today, for instance, you go out and you buy a recipe and this company comes in and it says, Let's do these seven trainings, here's the playbook, ta da, now you're agile. And with psychological safety and as well with agile, that's not just not how it works. I can go into a team and say you are or into a group of people and say you are now a team. But until they trust each other, until they take responsibility it. together until they do all these things. They're not a team. And, no. and it takes a lot of work to do this. But it also takes work from the leaders because if you do not state clear expectations, if you do not make that clarity, if you are not able to show your people, like the things from Google, like I am actually contributing to this product. The work that yeah. I do contributes to this product. Yeah. If you're not Impact. able to do this as Impact. a leader. then you cannot yeah. have. And it takes work, and especially because the way we've been working for so long is that we haven't done this. We've been like telling people what to do.
0: Yeah. The human work doesn't even have a space in our work
1: schedule. It's not no.
0: recognized as something that needs to happen. It is something we have no skills for, and it's something we have no tools for, and it's something that is sorely needed. This is what I don't know if you remember. In my last book, I was I was simply pleading with people, saying, "Look, it is maybe agile that's going to bring us to the fact that we need to do collaboration and body doubling and yeah. fair programming, and there might I, I'm starting to believe that there are all these other formulas that each team should grow. We for instance yeah. have something internal called tease for team and we have all of these things that we know for a fact to work for us. Yeah. I would never dream to put those into a framework and sell them because I don't know exactly what works for others. I might write a book and be like this is what we do. I don't yeah. care about other people. I would never go in and say I have a maturity framework. It's called Tease for Teams. No? I have a start-to-think framework, if you like. We say the teaming is every day. We say that it has to be timely, either something is a ticket or is a text, or you put it down in a tab, or you keep it in your whatever, you test it together. We have these Cs that work for us. Get your Bs, get your Cs, get your... I don't even care what it is. But do they hit on these five for Aristotle and these five for um, the oxygen uh, program? And I would say... Start with the one at the top of all of them. And that one at the top of all of them, let's get back to it, is psychological safety. So tell me something, Gita, when it comes to psychological safety, have you seen psychological safety as an actual in the wild measurement for team leads or agile coaches or even I don't know cameras?
1: No, I have not. I've seen Well, I've seen people who say they measure psychological safety in the teams, but don't. I've seen where they ask people, like they do all these surveys and they ask about, for instance, mental health. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Uh, And I think that can do a little bit. But I think that the whole problem with all of this is that it's seen as separate things. It's seen as, yeah, we we have all the hard stuff. We need to make a product. We need to do all these things. We need to sell things. And yes, there's this human side. And one of the things that my talk was about that I did two weeks ago was they are not things that we need to build a bridge between because they are so connected. And after is, this, a woman came up to me and she said, you, I never looked at inclusion this way before. I always thought of inclusion as we need to be fair to everyone, which I think is part it. of it. But she never saw it as this is actually a benefit from, for companies. Right, there's a plus to it. Yeah, yes. we have different brains and if we can get yeah. there's so many examples of products that do right. not get really great. But then there was right. also this uh, what was it called? Something with farm that was during the pandemic everyone was playing. Uh I forgot what it's called now. And your farm? No. Yeah, maybe. But the thing is they made this with a diverse team, which means that it had the game play had different elements right. that Absolutely. appeared to different yeah. cultures, different yeah. yeah.
0: And these days, if they're not going to take that seriously in the age of AI, we're going to have much bigger problems than just uh, representation in
1: uh, Yeah, and So it's not about only being fair. I mean, fair is being part of it, of course, but it's because it makes sense for the company. The thing is, it's not going to be as easy because if you have a group that might be diverse, but it's actually having to stay within the same rules, then you're not going to get that. But it's got to be easier. It's going to be yes. easier, like, I mean, if I look at women in tech 50 years ago, the ones who really made them were able to move forward, they, look, they acted and looked like men because that's the only way they could do things. It, mm-hmm. And I mean, for some of them, it was natural, but for a lot of them, it's, they had to fit in. Yes. And if you do that, it becomes easy. But if you have someone um, like you and I are different cultures, we're very different and we have a lot of things in common. But that also means we will disagree, yeah. And it's so much easier if you have a team where people don't disagree. But the thing is, if you and I don't disagree, how then we don't have growth,
0: then we don't have innovation. We have growth. Then we, and, then we yeah. don't have communication. Then we don't have truth. Then we don't have authenticity. Then we don't have a team. Then we cannot yeah. have
1: psychological safety. Yes. Yeah. But also, we won't get the cool products because you yeah. might say something where I go like, oh. So like a friend of mine was working on this app for um, for women, and one of the topics was that someone wanted a countdown to when you would give birth, the due date. And she actually had to explain to them, kids do not come on due date. Sometimes kids don't even come. Sometimes you have, um, there's something wrong and your body rejects the the, the child or... It comes two weeks early or six weeks early or it comes later. It's not like a it's not like oh now I can count down to Christmas and it's the it's twenty four days. And yeah. the the guys literally did not know this. And I mean if we don't have this where we can discuss these things like you are in England now, I'm in I'm in Sweden and I'm Danish and there are cultural differences and if we don't talk about this, if we do right. something together, we're not gonna get it in there unless we have that discussion. I'm not talking about conflict as in fighting. I'm talking about conflict yeah. as in we disagree. Oh. We have a we have a good discussion, and then you and I can go. And then but I can go like There is it
0: fighting. Yeah. so it's rupture. But um, absolutely, I cannot agree more. Although not in our case, because I used to live in Sweden for 14 years. So I think we're very we understand that culture well, yeah. but we don't agree with it. <laughs> We can something else. Okay. But uh, I wanted to also, speaking of cultures, if I can bring in a point, is a lot of my readers and my listeners, I think, are uh, from across the pond. And what I hear a lot in the other, we, we for instance, I, I uh, have a co-host who's American on a podcast called "The Secret Society of Human Work Advocates and Human Death Fighters um, and Preventers." <laughs> I keep adding to that bloody that. But um, but the the conversation is really to kind of drive it from an HR yeah. perspective and go like, what seems to be the the, the hold up? And she is an uh, uh, she's obviously a PhD ex super superstar, and she has this. Um, exceptional perspective that's very data-driven, but it's also super American, obviously, because that's where she is, and that's where she like is involved in driving legislation around safety and so on. So I was really interested to see how that legislation around safety in the workplace would pan out. And um, two things that I think are interesting is are that there were two different directions that went out of it, if you wish. One to me was very like workplace related because it seemed to kind of go the direction of how much bullying do we have in the workplace, which I am ambivalent about. I feel like it's a really dramatic and and punishing take that will unfortunately shake all neurodivergent people from the tree of any talent of that enterprise. So if we're gonna go like, well, don't anyone be a bully and ever raise their voice at anyone else, and then you're sure to lose talent because there's lots and lots of people that raise their voices because they're dysregulated or passionate or culturally think it's acceptable or believe that everyone else is gonna yes. come. There are reasons for people to to sound what would e- easily be thrown as bullish when they're actually just passionate and involved. And if we don't learn those differences about people in the workplace and we don't start to have a neurodiversity lens, then we're not going to get far. But I would like to put it to both you and I that, that these are what I would call um, luxury problems, if you wish. Both you and I live in in, in, in um Fortunate and privileged yeah. situations where we can moan about, oh, you know, we can't really wear our hair like we would like in a corporate, or they never give us a CTO job. But they give us an a, almost yeah. CTO job multiple times. They did a lot. Let's face it. If they really want someone to build them a product or several companies, they'll get one of us. Uh, the reason they're not calling us is because no one's building. anything. <laughs> but, <laughs> if they're not they're not building, let me be clear. But, um, but the, the point I'm making is there's lots of women that want that don't have um, and it's, it's taken me a long, a long, long time to understand that. When I started my career, I was super up in arms about what seems to be the holdup. Everyone, if you want your tits out, you have your tits out. I will not have this that you can't have a cleavage at work. I will not have this that I can't have a Hello Kitty pink uh, roller in a meeting room because screw you, why can't I? So my attires and my, the, the way I've mentored and, and asked my, my teams to, to be was women being all out there and stuff. And I know we're yeah. jumping between all these. Topic, Uh, but this is because I wanted to bring us back to uh, DNI. DNI, like we see it here, and like they even see it in America, where by the way, there's an entire current, which is what I wanted to bring us to, of uh, DNI initiatives and funding being pulled because it has been done. It's okay. Uh, The DNI bit is being pulled. So all the budget for next year is being pulled in America. And also all the budget for Black Lives Matter is being pulled in America. So let me tell you, if they found budget for psychological safety, I would be super surprised. So I am very concerned. Um, In particular, because Alessandria, that's her name, uh, Alessandria Polizzi, Dr. Polizzi, is also involved with various legislative measures where she's looking at introducing the iso 45001 which says it has been dictated by the world health organization that says look people we have a mental health crisis can you at least at work stop destroying these people by not letting them be horrible to them no bullies no discrimination no fake women no not letting them wear their hair no throwing them out can you please be sure that they have health and safety at work so that's what the standard says she was involved in that work a lot of academic work there. In my opinion, zero commercial work, zero uh, government really involvement, other than at very far away levels. And if you look at what's happening there in America, which is concerning, but still closer to how do we change the the fabric of the workplace. But when you when you um, then get lost into an argument around bullying, but at the same time, you pull funding from important matters that you haven't even yeah. fixed yet. And they are contributing to your human debt every day at work. And that human debt in turn contributes to no psychological safety, no dependability, no impact you can show people, no purpose anyone has. And guess what? No enterprise and no good yeah. team and no money. is not difficult. Um And it's just it makes you wonder. Who is leading enterprises, who is not losing sleep over the mental health crisis, the productivity crisis, the burnout crisis, the fact that our developers are fed up and untrained to do the human work, the fact that at this rate we may be needing to put other structures in place, where maybe we need two developers and the developer minder yeah. like you and I to sit there and go like, oh, just a second. Do we know how we regulate? Let's all breathe. Let's go have a coffee. Everyone sit down. Do it again. I don't know what it takes, but what we have today in terms of structures, where we also have a fight over, should I do it in the office, is an insane conversation in the grand yeah, and When I look at it, it, it's like
1: people, companies do take the problem with productivity very serious because we can't produce much. And I think this is also very much an output a mindset. Yes, I want to output a new feature. Well, maybe the thing that would provide the most value for your customers would be to remove five features because it would be easier to get an overview uh, and it would be easier to use your product. So instead of, we don't talk about value, we talk about output, 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 output. Um, But how do they know what the customer wants? uh, I think the problem is that a lot of people don't. And I mean, even though there's, I've, I've actually met very few proper user research people. The one i found have been, it's, what that I worked with has been so interesting. How much they can find out, even from talking to a few people, it's like, oh, how do you see our webpage? What's the first thing that you think when you do this? Right. Even taking right. that as a start.
0: The yeah. questions are, is something, it's better than nothing at all. I've done a lot of research into uh, this issue when I was writing uh, emotional banking because I just couldn't comprehend. I was convinced that every other industry is looking at customers properly, not like banking. And I was like, yep. let, me, let me check. And you know what? There there was a fad of design-led agile service development in the 2010 to 2014, Mm -hmm. I want to say, off the top of my head. And with that fad, we had a lot of human-centered design that... Slithered its way into conversations, and you had an um, HR department and the CFO that all of a sudden were agile and they were designing with the customer. That and all of a sudden, told, someone told them who their customer was because these departments never knew they had customers yeah. until this conversation started. So they're like, Oh, wait, this CEO is my customer, so what should I give them? It changed the conversation. But here's the, the kicker No, it didn't go anywhere, we got bored. It fell off the news cycle. We didn't do anything with it. It didn't stay because we don't come back to principles because we get bored of them. And why would we repeat the agile ones? And why would we repeat the five good questions from Spotify? And why would we do impression management checks in the morning, welfare checks on all of our people in our teams, one-on-ones if necessary. If not, do they have everything they need emotionally, mentally, and work-wise? Let them do their shit and remove blockers. It's not difficult.
1: No, it's about it's having, having brain surgery. We people... Learn how to communicate properly, because I think one of the things that we forget is that, like in tech, most people are educated in tech. What I learned at university was how to make routing protocols for computer networks. I, I, the only communication thing I had was about how do you make a scientific um, paper and send it in. So first of all, we need to help people communicate there, but we also need to help people communicate from leadership and down and listen what's happening because i think the thing is with all of these things is we are forgetting that they, it's very individual that is things and that means we right. need to constantly work on these things it's not just uh okay we go in right i can do a psychological safety training ta-da now everyone is safe right. no the thing is about Thank you for, getting yeah. the conversation started and once we have the conversation right and i mean yes you talk like talking about bullying yes it might be that Um, you get angry and yell at me, and somebody will see this as bullying, but we want to create an environment where I can go, you know what, Duana, I did not feel okay with that. And Yes, and I understand and apologize and discuss
0: it, and you see my limitations, I see your limitations.
1: Because if we want to put different brains together, and we do because we want innovation and flexibility, we need to be able to talk about these things I have like Latino right. friends who've been told that they're too passionate, and it's kind of like I, the look, reason we I, we want to pull them. I'm half It. <laughs> I get that yeah.
0: every day from my family. I'm too loud. I'm too yeah. much. I'm too passionate. Can I come down? Yeah, yeah
1: every I mean, day. If we don't take that passion and and that whole uh, stereotype Latino culture, what's the point of bringing in a Latino if you want them to act as a white? person who was who grew up in Denmark in a in a boring school
0: I can I can, I can mark this and make sure you don't get cancelled because let me tell you <laughs> I'm not even joking you and I are from cultures that say what's right it's what probably what our problem is and why we don't get employed is when we do get employed you'll always have a CEO or a board or someone somewhere who is insecure enough to go oh no this woman with her insane hair and all passionate things will show the world that the emperor was naked and I um, I even said this on a podcast the other day, it's almost, it's worse than the emperor is naked in every in every boardroom these days. It's almost like it's naked and it's dangling, it's stinky balls and no one goes, this is not to happen anymore. Like we're
1: all just sit there going like, I yeah. can't sit. No, mm-hmm. it's not there. No, here, and, like, and I get why it can be difficult. If, some, if you've been I think that's part of it is, I think a lot of it is still on the leadership. And I think part of it is that the leadership we have today in a lot of companies is still based on the old-fashioned, you hire someone who's good in the field, who is good in that area, but you might not hire someone who's good at being a manager for people or someone who's good at running an organization. But
0: how are they going to know? How are they going to know? Who's going to evaluate this person for being good and at I the, the people? And think
1: the we need someone to help the current ones that, so that they can start looking at it. Right. Because I think I don't think they're doing it deliberately like, oh, I'm going to have someone who's going to micromanage. That's not what happens. The happens is this is what you have been rewarded for. And another thing that's really wrong is you've been that's- rewarded to be the best. A hundred percent. And that also yes. means that sometimes you can struggle with people knowing more than you. And if you put your ego and hang it up on, I'm actually the best and that's why I'm in this position, of course, it's really difficult if somebody comes and says, I have another idea or I see this problem. So what our leaders need to do is they need to change. They need to take the ego and hang it up on, I have the best department. I help grow these people. I am the one who creates the frame so that they can make all the amazing things that I can't.
0: A million percent. And that's, it's, it's, it's so difficult to have that yeah. click for people that this thing is not just a management plaque, but indeed, if you empower people, they make you look yeah. good. It's still on your, on your performance review. It's yeah. still on your bonus. All you need to do is make these people be happy enough to give you better. Exactly. Stuff. And they will only give you stuff when it's not difficult to keep them happy either. You just have to listen to them. You have to give them the tools and the knowledge to talk to each other. And then you have to make sure they have the time and the space and the tools to do it. And look, no one's saying that there are magical managers who know how to do this. In fact, I sometimes um, kind of rebuke the idea that it has to start with the managers. Because I say sometimes, look, if every enterprise in the world would close doors and would put their their business on its ass for six months while everybody, not only managers, but everyone from janitor to CEO would go through a very basic, these are what emotions are, this is how we talk to each other, and this is how we make sure we have common language and we keep teaming. If we did that and then we came back to work, in my opinion, we would still end that year in double the numbers because we would have done something foundationally yeah. worthwhile for our lives, doing the human work. Until this is clear, and it has to be clear for everyone, Until every, I ask my guys in my teams every morning, what human work are you doing today? What? Well, we have a team meeting, but what are you doing for yourself? Where's your where's your self care? What when are you meeting yeah. with others? What's your human work today? If you're not doing any, then you're not actually showing up for work because you're going to get so overwhelmed with all the operational and technical and other shit. You're not going to be any good to meet by the end of the sprint. So if you do none of the human work, I don't no, want No, and you to I think I a company what they do is help.
1: like if people have a I have a burnout, a lot of companies have a process. This is how we do it. This is how we help them, but. A lot of companies do not do the preventive work, which is, yes, there are things that you need to do outside the work, but there are also things you need to do at work. Like you say, have you talked to another person today and not talk to another person as being in a meeting? Have you um, taken a little bit of time to reflect? Have you asked a question? Have you listened to someone? And these things sound very, very simple, and they are, but they're also super difficult. Because if I listen to you, I need to relate to what you say. And maybe I need to do something. And, and But we do need to do that. And I mean, there are jobs you can have where you can go in, you can work, you can put it yeah. away, you can go home. But in knowledge yeah. work, most of the, the work will not be like that.
0: Thank you for saying that. I've been saying this for a while. Unfortunately, we can't give anyone a pass. Um, Absolutely everybody. And look, we don't even need to, I don't think we need to advocate for this. I think this generational change will be a lot faster than ours was. I remember distinctly we had a good 20 years at the beginning of our careers where we would meet people who had been there before us, more senior, not at the very top, because we weren't no. mixing with those uh, at that time, but they would be like innovation managers, or you know, those superheroes, somewhere in the very middle of the belly of the beast, a human death fighter, or a human death preventer, desperate to go like, I know this emperor is naked, but look at me, we can feel this thing. It's just you can recognize them, right? So I remember them, and I remember thinking, oh, bless them, maybe the, the this guard on top of them, the CEO, the board, whatever, will just get old enough and leave. Yeah. And it was a thing, if you remember, when we were younger. Let them just flash out, to let them get old enough to retire, go play golf and whatever. Uh, first of all, I don't think they did. <laughs> still, I think they're still around. And second of all, I think they will. And I think they will in a very instant way. I think this change of guard will be sudden because this new generation that's coming behind, if they think if, if anyone listening to us thinks, oh, those are luxury problems. women, mean uh, psychological safety. I don't even know if I can feed my children. Let me tell you, I don't know who you are and what industry you're in, but if you're at all in an industry where machines could be doing your job and they can understand how you've done that computation, you will not be employed and your kids will not be employed and you will not have a place in this world unless you find a way to grow yeah. this human work ability inside of you. you. We just won't. It's sad, but they've come after the only things we've ever had to give to the workplace, our knowledge, and now they have it in a different way that they don't need it from us. What they do need from us is that augmented knowledge yeah. that has courage, that has in, insight, that has humanity, that has that moment of innovation that Gita is talking about. And unless you find that strength within yourself as a professional, within you guys as a team, and I, you know what, these days I encourage everyone to stay with their team. Consider your team. Don't consider the enterprise. Stay yeah. with your team. If you found a team that has psychological safety and it looks like you guys are stable at all and you're a product team, Bloody stay. Don't ever take a job to leave that because finding another team that's having that nucleus and can do that communication might take you a lifetime. You might never difficult. get that
1: again. Yeah, It's
0: more important than anything. And nucleus. I think,
1: but I think what, what I've seen work really well is that when you then have like developers or designers, doesn't really matter, but people in teams who knows this, then you have like an advocate in the team and they can tell you about these things and then then slowly people will start to do this. And I think, I mean, I remember, I think it was 12 years ago, there was something called the Stuus Project, which was about, they met in Stuus in, I think, Switzerland. And they were like, oh, we're going to change leadership and stuff. And nothing really happened. And I think the part is that some leaders, owners of companies, for instance, need to step back. Like I was talking to a company in, in Germany recently. And actually their CEO, what he did six months ago, Was he stepped back? He said, I'm a founder. I'm really good at coming up with ideas. I am really good at running a company of 20 to 50 people. Now we have 500. I don't know how to run a company like that. So I'm going to be in the board and I'm going to be close to the company. But I need someone else to run the company because I don't know how to run a big company. And for me, having that Mm -hmm. insight, insight, humility, Taking that step back, self awareness. -awareness. So I think a lot of what also leaders and individuals need to do is start working with yourself, start having that self reflection. Have someone who tells you, you know what, the way you act in this situation, it can see differently from the outside. You go like, oh, that's true.
0: That's an alternative I haven't considered. That's a reframe I didn't have. That's the power of having a. That's the power of having a therapist. Look, I don't think it's even, I've seen a study, um, I can't remember where it was, but it was I think maybe Carnegie, that was saying if each of us got therapy from here on and coaching at work, so two different types of help, personal help and work help, um, on a daily basis, then they could predict a potential drop in the mental health uh, rate of decline of 30%. Yeah. No, consider this. If each of us had two people we were working with all the time, each of us, and I think we're going that direction anyway, if we want to keep anyone, the five people that are going to have to keep their humanity are going to need a bloody team to keep plugging yeah. them <laughs> to f- And, you know, maybe that is the model. I I was speaking to our CTO a few nights ago, and he he reminded us that ages ago there were these models that said maybe you need one developer and one secretary and one person giving him food and whatever. There were all kinds of models, right? It was silly. But you know what? I don't think we have the correct models at all anymore. I think we need to talk about things like team burnout. that I I have researched up and down. No one talked about this. Why not? Team burnout to me is a new concept we haven't even looked at, which which means that in this particular team, we cannot continue like we were. Yeah. Something broke here, like a stale marriage, like a you name it. It's not that we hate each other. We grew apart. We're not interested anymore. We need yeah. to that team burnout. Why don't we ever think for that? Why don't we change that? Why don't we know about it? Bloody hell, no one's even researching this. Thing. And then we talk about the psychology of teams all day, every day, but no one is actually, believe me, researching this in the workplace. It is... Dire. If you look, there's a GitHub study here and there, there's a Microsoft thing here and there, and let's face it, I don't even want to go into how much, what do you call, posturing and lying there are from some of these companies these days, but I will want this one. Um, and outside of that, you have like middle-sized companies, you know, kind of high-growth startups like us trying desperately to make a dent but you can't, because when you make something that is so evident, what we make is practically what, for those of you who don't know, what Gita has been explaining, they've been doing this. For years in different enterprises, which essentially we started with a, with, a, with a set of questions from Spotify and Ms. Amy Edmondson, and we expanded that. We ended up with an algorithm. That algorithm shows you how you're doing on flexibility, um, how you're doing with your emotional connection with your team, which is called engagement from the dashboard, but it's not what engagement HR calls engagement. Um, it checks... Um, It checks resilience. It checks learning. It checks whether people are impression managing. It looks at whether or not people have the um, impact, the dependability, and other bits in the Aristotle project. And it shows all of those to people in one dashboard so that they can come back to this day in and day out so they, they talk about this. If this, I'm not low on flexibility, I'm ready to go right now in another project. Why are they saying that? Well, it might be me. I'm not quite with it right now. Let's not make any changes. Let's do a play together. Let's see what other teams have done that were in this impasse and had low flexibility. And then we had them crowdsourced from a bunch of teams that have used them and have seen growth. And then by next week when they come back and they check again, don't ask them silly questions. Ask them to check progress. Because when you close that loop and anyone can do this, we've we've never been, you know, kind of with the exception of the algorithm, which I'm not happy starting to write anywhere. <laughs> explain this to everyone all the time. All you do is you create a dashboard because it has to be a dashboard. If you don't look at it once a day or once a week, you don't have a team. You're not teaming if you're not doing the no. human work once a day or once a week. I'm sorry. You're not. And then you look at it and you do some of this shit. I don't even care what it is, but you do it yeah. together as a team and then you check again. And that Cycle alone allows, I've seen developers cry, see that they have kind of grown. I've seen developers asking us not to remove it when their company was dumb enough to not want to pay us. I've seen developers leave jobs going like, I cannot do this anymore. I cannot believe I've not known that my kind of the dude across from me has five kids from a first wife and we never discussed it in 10 years. F this. Um, it's just so much is coming out. None of the human work has been done in technology. We are now more burnt out than other industries. I think it's looking bad, and there's no industry that doesn't have taken it as well so practically this is this is yeah. this is for everyone, anyone in the knowledge industry like Gita says, if we keep ignoring psychological safety and the importance of teaming and the importance of doing human work, we will probably be looking at much bigger problems in the future Meanwhile, um we have some ideas workshops and you can listen to us um, on many of our podcasts let me see if I can remember them off the top of my head this is my bit of Tourette's at the end of this, I never have it recorded so you can listen to us on the Secret Society for Human Work Advocates and Human Death Fighters um, and Preventers, I believe it is every Monday or Tuesday between myself and Dr. Alessandra Polizzi or you can hear us on People and Tech between myself and Dave Bali, who also presents Developer Insights and he's going to show you a couple of people in DevOps, he's talked to last week about the topic of dora same people that i talked to mm-hmm. on married to tech um, and what we really want to put together is all of this mm-hmm. constellation of bits and pieces in technology in devops in humanities that understand the problem of teams are teams everywhere people are people everywhere if we don't do the human work we're going to grow both our tech and our human tech. Yeah. and people like you can help you call her And get her to speak to your people. She is the most inspirational speaker you can have that you can bring in front of a developer to tell them what psychological safety is. So thank you for coming over today and and imparting your knowledge. And hopefully we're going to hear you on one of the other ones sometime soon. And everyone else, listen um, to us if you can and subscribe. See you next week. Bye.